listening to the Fisher of Zen podcast. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Pat Kellner, the guy behind Texas freshwater fly fishing, asked me to put some thoughts together on the pursuit of fly fishing as it relates to mental health. Rather than a treatise on their connection, what flowed onto the page were some prime examples of how the sport offers opportunities for the sort of mindfulness practice that can pay big dividends in our daily lives. It's a long-held belief of mine that if we allow it, the pursuit can be immensely beneficial to mind, body, and spirit. Sometimes by offering low-hanging fruit like flycasting and drawing us into nature. Sometimes by offering situations that border on tedious or frustrating, presenting us with a choice to get bogged down or to rise above. Like most healthy choices, it gets easier with practice. Mastery, after all, is never about your relationship to anyone or anything else. It's always between you and you. And step one is to get present. So let's start there. As I approach the river, my mind is filled with all of the usual noise. Annoyance about the bill I left unpaid on the counter before I headed out that morning. The three emails waiting in my inbox for a response. The self-judgment about often being terrible at follow-through. The big question about what I'm going to do with myself now that traveling the country playing songs is no longer the viable career it once was. Wondering how viable it ever really was. About this time, I reach a spot that requires a crossing. It's midsummer in the high country of southwestern Colorado. And against advisement, I'm wet waiting rather than enduring the bulk of waiters for a hike into the back country. As I make the first step into the flow, mind still an echoing cacophony, the icy stab of water as it soaks quickly through my wading socks demands my attention. All of it. In this moment, there's no more room for the noise, only the singular focus, the shock of cold on high-heated toes. This is just one snapshot of albums full of mental Polaroids depicting moments where the pursuit of fly fishing has practically slammed me into the present. I believe the path to inner peace is paved with presence, and getting grounded in the moment is a pretty good start. I think one of the best ways to get grounded is to put your feet in a mountain river, to connect with all that is around you, to notice the beauty, the ruin, and to allow yourself to feel a part of it. So yeah, being present is a great start. But when I think about many of the times I struggle in life, a lack of patience with a situation, another person, or even myself, is hiding in there somewhere. It was the knot tying portion of one of my beginner workshops. I think it was a loop knot in this case. I demonstrated each step of the knot and waited until everyone else completed it before moving to the next. All but one student was with me. And as she struggled and restarted the step and the knot several times, her frustration became palpable. As I always do, I had told my students that I had pretty much a bottomless pit of patience on their behalf, 
so it wasn't me she was worried about. It was her own lack of patience with herself that she was wrestling with. That, and likely other internal messages she was making up about being the last to complete it and pondering what everyone must think about her. Hey, I said gently, look at me. That's right. Now breathe with me. We're not in a hurry here. We're all sitting under a shade tree next to a crystal clear lake on a beautiful spring afternoon in Texas with nothing on the agenda besides being here. So let's go through that step together again, slowly. In that very moment, I watched her shoulders drop, her eyes soften, and the redness in her cheeks begin to fade. I had someone tell me the other day that they didn't have the patience for fly fishing. Well, I say that sounds like as good a reason as any to take it up. Okay, but sometimes my patience falls short. In those cases, self-control becomes a pretty valuable asset. We've all been there. Maybe it's a windy day. Maybe there's a high bank or a tree or bush or... Sometimes, I swear, it's a single blade of grass, and it seemingly snatches your back cast out of midair. You look back, and not only are you snagged, your tippet has wrapped and tied itself around that snag no fewer than 800 times. For folks who live in places where the vegetation is tender, perhaps a little twitch or tug will free you up. But I don't live in one of those places. I live in Texas. Things that grow here are tough. A necessary quality if they're to thrive or at least survive in often harsh environments. Which is another metaphor worth pondering, but for another time. So you're quite convincingly tangled. Maybe for the umpteenth time that day. If you want to save your flies and not risk snapping your rod tip, you have no choice but to wade back and or climb over the tree, bush, thistle, grass, or if you're on a rocky river, it could be a rock to take care of business. Once you get there, you have a couple of choices. Option A, you can cut the tippet, pull out the flies and re-rig. Or option B, you can attempt to untangle the nest of tippet until you either succeed or resign yourself to the fact that it's beyond saving and circle back. To option A. But it's not really those external choices that hold the most valuable opportunity here. If you're anything like me, by this point, your temperature, literally and figuratively, is starting to go up along with your level of frustration. If you raise your awareness, you can notice it, feel it even. And in that moment, you're given the opportunity to make a truly valuable choice. Behind door number one, let it overtake you and maybe build to ruin your entire day. Behind door number two, a slightly less damaging choice to do what needs doing, get over it, and get back to fishing. But lingering behind door number three is the kind of choice that, made frequently enough, can start to rewire the way you go about your life. That choice is to turn the entire experience on its head. It's to decide that this circumstance is not an interruption in your fly fishing, in your zen, 
It's part of it. The mindless and meditative, if you'll let it be, activity of untangling, of weaving in and around until you've freed your flies can do the same for you. The snarl of tippet is what it is. What you decide it means and how you allow it to impact you is your choice. And that single choice can mean the difference between a relaxing day on the water and a hot mess. So far, we've talked about specific instances and examples, but the pursuit of fly fishing also invites us to experience some broader benefits related to reducing stress and, as I like to call it, curating calm. I was guiding a couple of folks from Houston down to fish for trophy trout on the Guadalupe River this season past. They said they wanted to learn how to become better independent fly anglers. And I believe a wade trip is one of the best ways to do that. So we made the plan and met up bankside. We had just begun to practice the modified roll cast I like to teach clients for indicator fishing. As they practiced the cast and learned to anticipate the men's necessary to manage a good drift, one of them, who was doing quite well, I might add, was growing frustrated at an apparent lack of perfection and confessed that they were really competitive and often hard on themselves. Okay, I said, let's just stop for a second and look around at the beauty that's all over here. Take a deep breath. There's nothing to worry about right now. You're doing better than you think. But either way, if you make this trip about perfecting fishing techniques and landing fish, you'll miss out on a lot of what's available to you. The river can both soothe us and teach us if we'll let it. In your case, I encourage you to focus on the flow. Just flow with the river today. The rest will come. And it did. Both clients landed their personal best rainbow trout that day. But more importantly, they let go of their attachment to results and allowed themselves to be immersed in the moment, to go with the flow. And in choosing that, they were going to have a great day on the river that had nothing to do with counting catches. I've long said that a fly rod, and more specifically a fly cast, is the best barometer of my state of mind I have ever found. I'm a casting instructor, for heaven's sake, and some days I swear I couldn't land a fly in a kiddie pool at 10 paces. Among other things, a fly cast is so much about proper timing. When I'm tense, my rhythm goes to pot. My loops get ugly, my flies land ugly. I may even, for shame, throw a wind knot. Isn't it cute how we like to blame our casting mistakes on the wind? I'm thinking it's pretty hard to tie knots without opposing thumbs. And in those instances, if I'm not careful, my mood gets pretty ugly too, which makes my performance even more dismal. But here's one of the great things about a fly rod. In addition to being a good measure for your level of tension, if you'll let it, it's also a good tool for releasing that tension. And that effect is compounded when you put a slower action rod in your hand, one that commands you to take your time, to wait, 
to relax. Job number one in this situation is raising your awareness enough to realize that you, not the fly rod, are both the problem and the solution. Then you have the opportunity to choose. You can stay tense and stressed, or you can choose to use the tools at your disposal to help you find your way to a balanced state of mind. The mentally and physically therapeutic aspects of fly casting are well documented at this point. A few of the most well-known examples of its application are the retreats and mentoring offered by organizations like Casting for Recovery, Real Recovery, and Project Healing Waters, just to name a few. If you haven't checked out these organizations, please do so and consider supporting them financially or with your time. Mention those organizations to fellow fly anglers, and they'll probably say something like, yeah, that's so awesome, or I think it's great how they help those people. Well, yes, it is. And if you own or can borrow a fly rod, enjoying that very same benefit is just a cast away. The activities associated with fly fishing offer ample balm for the body, mind, and soul wading, fishing, spending time in nature. But they are all, I wager, eclipsed by the moving meditation that is fly casting. The motion, the rhythm, the flow. The fact that when one is focused and connected with the cast, everything else effectively disappears. You don't have to wait until you go fishing to tap into that zen either. In fact, It would likely help your angling game as well as your mental state if you didn't wait. Casting, to me, is almost its own pursuit. Even before I was training to become an FFI-certified casting instructor, I kept a reel spooled up with some lawn line. Not just to practice a particular casting style for a planned trip or to work on casting in windy conditions, but as a stress reliever. And now that so many of us work remotely, it becomes possible to access this support just about any time. Look at it like a modern-day smoke break, only without the health risks. If it's not something you've done before, it might feel a little strange at first to stand on the lawn making casts. And if you do it in public, it can take a little time to get used to the occasionally annoying but good-natured, uh, hey there, you'd have better luck if you cast that into the water. (laughs) Or, um, you know, there's no fish in there, right? (laughs) But I promise you, it's totally worth it. And learning to chuckle along with the peanut gallery is its own Zen practice. These are just a few of the myriad ways that fly fishing can be leveraged for mindfulness practice. Some without ever leaving your backyard. And that's not even to mention fly tying, which for some is a hobby unto itself. If you've never tried fly fishing or tried it and became frustrated or confused quickly, a little solid instruction or better yet, a Zen fly fishing retreat or workshop can go a long way towards helping you practice presence, model mindfulness, and curate calm. Thanks for listening. Please join me next time. Until then, this is Carrie Ray, 
the Fisher of Zen, inviting you to let the outside in. If you have comments, questions, or topics you'd like to see covered on Fisher of Zen, please reach out at carrie at fisherofzen.com.